Definitively Speaking is a definitive healthcare podcast series recorded and produced in Framingham, Massachusetts. To learn more about healthcare commercial intelligence, please visit us at definitivehc.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Definitively Speaking, the podcast where we have data-driven conversations on the current state of healthcare. I'm Justin Steinman, Chief Marketing Officer at Definitive Healthcare, and your host for this podcast. Let's talk about your eyes. If you're of a certain age, like me, your eyesight has probably started to deteriorate. You used to be able to read that menu in a restaurant with no problems. Now, well, now your wife's holding the menu up across the table so that you can read it. Or you're hunched over that menu using the camera flash on your iPhone as a reading light. And for some people, declining eyesight is just the start of the problem. Age-related macular degeneration is a leading cause of blindness among people over the age of 65. The problem here is that most people don't get tested early enough, or they can't get an appointment at their doctor, or they just think the problem's gonna go away. Well, the reality is the problem's not gonna go away, so you better do something about it. And that's where the folks at Network Eye think they can help. They're bringing diagnostic eye care to you. You can get your eyes checked at CVS and then pick up some shampoo and toothpaste while you're there. It's a pretty unique business model because it's bringing specialty care into a mainstream clinic. We're all familiar by now with the concept of basic primary care and vaccinations at our favorite CVS, Walmart, or Walgreens. But diagnostic eye care is something else. To dive a little deeper into this topic and their very interesting business model, I've asked two of the founders of Network Eye to join me today on Definitively Speaking, Jeremy Kirsch and Stephen Wish. Jeremy brings 20 years of operating senior leadership and entrepreneurship experience to his role as CEO of Network Eye. Jeremy's an expert in starting and scaling software and tech-enabled services businesses, including those that use behavioral science to drive consumer action. Jeremy, thanks for joining me today. Hey, Justin, it's great to be here. Awesome, we're so glad you're here. Steven serves as the executive chairman of Network Eye. He has 35 years of executive management and experience as an investor, C-suite executive and advisor to Fortune 500 companies. Steven is the chairman of Channel Control Merchants, a reverse logistics deep value retailer which serves many of the largest retailers in America. Steven, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Justin. It's great to be here. All right, so we're psyched to have you guys here. It's a pretty unique business, and frankly, it's an area of medicine that I thankfully don't know too much about. So let's just start with the basics for our listeners here. Jeremy, what conditions are you targeting with Network Eye, and what services do you provide? And while you're at it, in just like plain English, can you explain what age-related macular degeneration is? Thanks, Justin. I'll do my best. Um, we're, we're targeting 100 million Americans who are either living with diabetes or are over the age of 65. These are folks who are at risk for retina disease. The two diseases are called diabetic retinopathy and macular degeneration. We use fully autonomous artificial intelligence to more quickly and simply diagnose. And then our retina specialists will treat these patients right in our retail and mobile clinics. In plain English, or at least in my New Yorker English, age-related macular degeneration, or AMD, is when the center of your retina, called the macula, wears down due to natural aging. This leads to vision loss. It's one of those unfortunate issues we contend with as we get older. Got it. That, that makes sense. So you have diabetics who had this problem. And do people get tested regularly for this? Or is it just kind of like 
something that they, their doctor tells them, you're like, you guys are a new business, but this is an old problem. So what's the history here? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And it, both folks living with diabetes and the elderly should get tested once a year. Uh, the diabetics for uh, diabetic retinopathy and the elderly should get a comprehensive eye exam to see if they've got macular degeneration or other issues like cataracts, glaucoma, et cetera. Right. But people should do it once a year, but they probably don't, right? Yeah. It's um, what, what's really tough about this is that a lot of people don't even know they're supposed to get this type of exam every year. Uh, and in many cases, you don't see the problem until it's too late. And so not getting the test every year is what causes a huge problem with this as the, as the various diseases progress. You're probably mean actually not seeing the problem is probably more accurate given what we're talking about here. Exactly. They do not see the problem. (laughs) Exactly. All right. So diabetic retinopathy is when their, your eyes degenerates, right? And you can't see it. Right. And so you guys have like a treatment for this. Is that right? Well, yeah, there are great treatments out there and they've been out there for a long time. What we're doing that's unique is that we're using new artificial intelligence technology to more quickly and less expensively detect the diabetic retinopathy. In fact, this is the first what they call fully autonomous AI that's being used uh, by clinicians. It means the doctor doesn't need to read the images. They don't need to, in fact, be there. The computer can detect the disease state. And so this is very revolutionary and it's coming to many parts of medicine. All right. So talk to me about this here. So you actually have got an AI that can read a scan. You got like some genius coder back there. Cause I know it's not you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not me, but people much smarter than me. So it's actually not our technology. There are several companies that make this uh, and we're the ones who've sort of brought it into uh, a retail environment. And we've basically shortened the pathway from getting tested to actually getting treatment. So what's really great about this is that the technology can do the read without the physician and computers are just really good at reading images much, in fact, much better than people. Yeah. I mean, and that, I remember even back in my days at GE healthcare, we were working on all this software that could like read breast cancer images and lung cancer images and only send like the high end cases or the complicated things to the radiologist to read. And you now you always want your radiologist focusing on the complicated things, not the really basic things. Yeah, and it's this, it's the same in eye care, Justin. It's essentially, what we're able to do here is keep the doctors focused on doing the treatment and let the detection, let the you know, let the AI help with the detection. And that's why doing it in um, locations such as in a retail location like Network Eye is just such an advantage. It's just simpler, easier, more convenient, and we can get it you know to more people. So you have doctors on staff at Network Eye, but not at CVS, right? Uh, yes and no. Uh, we do have doctors. We do have doctors on staff, um, and what we do is we schedule specific days of the week where they are actually in a fully functioning clinic inside the CVS, and uh, they'll do treatment on those days. Now, simultaneously, we're able to do the screening using the AI six days a week. So that's what's really incredible about this model. Right, but I'm not like going in and like sticking my eye and pushing it. Who's doing the screening at CVS? Yeah, we've got technicians that are able to do the screening. And uh, you know, these are trained ophthalmic technicians, but these ter- sorts of screenings are also being done in uh, primary care offices. So you'll have NPs or RNs or other uh, providers that can do these, these kinds of screenings. But like you said before, let's keep the, uh, the specialists at the, at the high end of their, uh, of their degree and let them do the, the treatment, which by the way, we are doing in, uh, in CVS. We're doing complex 
uh, minor surgical procedures for the treatment right there in the CVS clinic, which is amazing. People thought we were, you know, crazy for even suggesting that this could it was something that folks would do. But people have been doing it now for over a year and they really love the experience. So hold on, like, I think you're crazy. So you're doing surgery in like CVS, like next to my shampoo? Listen, we're doing um, we're doing the workhorse procedures for retina care. And so what does that mean? That means we're doing injection procedures, laser procedures. Um, and these are procedures that because this is a chronic condition that we need to manage over time, most of these patients that are coming in for either diabetic retinopathy or macular degeneration, they're coming back two to 12 times a year, every year to get this kind of care. And what we've done is we've created a very uh, consumer-friendly, uh, convenient experience. And when you come into our clinic, which is inside the CVS, it's a nicer clinic than you'd go to uh, at a specialist private practice office. So you're like, so there's probably a minute clinic in the CVS, right? And then like you guys are like next door? Yeah. So you've got the minute clinic and then the pharmacy, and then we're right there next to it. And uh, we've got our own branding um, and we've got our own staff that's, uh, that's there to, to manage the patients when they come in. But let me tell you, it really is an amazing experience for, for a lot of patients who either don't have a physician uh, today to help manage these, uh, these conditions, or we have many patients who are switching uh, to come see us because, again, it's just more convenient. You know, they, they love the fact that they can go pick up medication, come see us, and then, like you said, pick up their shampoo as well before they go home. This blows I'm still stuck on the fact you're doing surgery in CVS, but we'll, we'll come back to that. So, Stephen, you're a guy who's built businesses, you've scaled businesses. How does this thing scale over time? So, I have built similar businesses. I built a uh, special, a retail business, a reverse logistics retail business that serves the mass underserved market in America and supplies them with all kinds of merchandise for clothing, uh, health and beauty supplies, furniture at the lowest possible cost. This business is a similar business and excites me uh, because it serves the mass underserved market uh, in, uh, with retina disease, people who have diabetes and those who uh, are over the age of 65 and we're making it more accessible, more friendly, lower cost and still the, of the highest possible quality, uh, which is super, super exciting. And in, in essence, what we're doing is providing health equity uh, to uh, Americans. And we're trying to change healthcare in a significant way as a result and making it more accessible for all. Wow. So we've got surgery at CVS's compared to a furniture business, a low cost furniture business and reverse logistics. We are all over the place today, guys. This is great. <laughs> so where do you guys go next with this? Do you go to like 10 more CVS's or do you like go knock on Walgreens door and go, Hey, look what we're doing with CVS. You guys want in. So we, we're in the process of having discussions with CVS about expanding our pilot to other markets. And we're deep in discussions about picking the next markets uh, with them. We're also in discussions with all the other major retailers who are very interested in, in what we're doing. It's likely that the next step will be an expansion with CVS, but it, it's a possibility that we will uh, test uh, with some other uh, retailers and other markets as well. Got it. So is it just about diabetic retinopathy or are there other diseases and other things you guys can treat? Do you, do you guys envision yourself like replacing like optometrists and ophthalmologists like completely? 
So we're certainly not replacing the ophthalmologist or the optometrist. So right now, as as we discussed, we're treating uh, all retina diseases, which are both diabetic retinopathy, number one, and macular degeneration, number two. Um, so those are the two disease states. And what we're doing is we're taking advantage of the AI. The AI is, is going to become available for macular degeneration, for glaucoma, and other eye diseases. Because as we as I mentioned, AI is very good at reading images. Now. Where does it go next? Fully autonomous AI, there's a whole pipeline behind this. So you've got things like you mentioned for cancer screenings. You've got things like when you take retina images, they're doing a lot of studies right now where it uh, they can detect biomarkers for Alzheimer's, for Parkinson's disease, for car- uh, for cardiovascular disease. And so as the, uh, the testing gets more uh, advanced, what we believe is going to happen is you can then start to manage some of the care, again, in a retail health environment. And so you can bring the specialists into, like you said, uh, next to the minute clinic, into the minute clinic, um, so that you can keep folks out of more costly centers, such as private practice offices or, you know, God forbid, the hospital, where it's the most expensive to, to, to manage these patients. So I'm glad that you brought up cost. I guess I know all these questions I have, like, you guys chose to put this in a retail store and not put it in its own private practice. You, you could have set up like your own shingle uh, and, you know, brought your technology there and done that. Why did you choose to go to a retail store? So if we set up our own shingle, it would be essentially a doctor's office. There are lots of retina practices around the country. The idea, and when Jeremy and uh, Lindsay, Dr. Smith and Dr. Eichenbaum came to me and talked about bringing healthcare to the mass underserved market in a retail setting. I said, that's skating to exactly where the puck is going. This makes it much more friendly and much more accessible. There are many Americans that don't trust their doctor like the three of us do. And they do trust their local CVS or Walmart or Walgreens. And uh, they're constantly going, obviously, to pick up their shampoo, as we said, or the deodorant. And it's very easy to then get your eyes tested. And uh, once we work with you and you have pathology and we discuss with you what the next steps are, it's very natural and easy to come back to see our doctors uh, in our clinic again and again. So I think regular listeners of this podcast know that I spent a number of years working at CVS. And while it's been about three and a half years since I left there, you know, I do recall that there was some stat that the company was very proud of that like, 70% of Americans live within like five miles of a CVS, which is astronomical if you actually stop and think about that statement for a second, right? And then when they were building out these whole health hubs, one of the initial concepts was having it be like a place where, frankly, like retired people came and hang out and got like their socialization. And like, you know, in my town, they all go to Dunkin' Donuts and have like coffee there. Like, see, it's like, no, 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 come here, get your health care. We'll give you some coffee. Maybe you'll get some you know, counseling about what's bothering you. It seems like you guys are trying to like play into that whole model. Yeah. I mean, essentially healthcare services that are well-suited for the retail environment are very good business for someone like a CVS uh, and obviously for the other big retailers. So, you know, on a revenue per square foot, on a profitability per square foot, um, these are great businesses. So the fact that we've taken about 600 square feet of retail space transformed it into a small clinic and have a place where not only patients, but their caregivers come back, as I mentioned, two to 12 times a year, every year for care. 
that's a tremendous business for, for a CVS where they want people coming in to pick up stuff at the pharmacy, to use the Minute Clinic for other, uh, other healthcare services. And as you mentioned, Justin, to pick up other stuff uh, at the store. Now, the one thing I will say that's, that is amazing about retailers and retail health, the data that they have on what people are doing, whether it's what they're picking up in the pharmacy or what they're buying in the front of the store, being able to figure out what healthcare services they might uh, need is something that we're helping connect the dots on with this kind of service. And that's really the, when you when you talk about getting into a much more convenient, lower cost healthcare system, these are the kinds of things that, that really uh, move us in that direction. So what kind of dots are you connecting there? Talk to me a little bit more about that. Give me an example. Yeah, so a great example. You've got folks uh, who are picking up their metformin at the pharmacy. Metformin is is a, one of the most common uh, treatments for uh, folks living with diabetes. Well, uh, those folks, as we mentioned before, every year should be getting their eyes tested. So, if their pharmacist recommend ask them, "Have you had your eyes tested this year?" and then says, "By the way, you can just walk over there, and the network eye team will test your eyes," or if they're in another CVS location, if they let them know, "Hey, by the way." at the CVS down the road, you can get your eyes tested. I mean, this is how you start to connect the dots. And in many cases, some of those patients have no idea they're supposed to get their eyes tested once a year for their, for their diabetes. So this is how you start to connect the dots. And uh, we see this happening you know, every day uh, as we're running this business. Another example, Justin, is if you have an extra care card and CVS notices that you are buying A-red vitamins, which means that you might be an early person to get macular degeneration. Obviously, this has got to be done in a legally compliant manner, but you can then say, you know, Justin, we see you're buying A-reds. Did you know that you can go to your CVS and get your eyes examined once a year? So it's it's very easy, very simple, and people do it. It's It's just much easier. Everyone's busy. You've got family to take care of. You've got work. You've got all kinds of responsibilities, but everyone goes into their local CVS or equivalent picking up things. And if you could then just go get your eyes examined, why not do it that way? So do you guys pay CVS rent? Did you guarantee them a certain amount of revenue per square foot? Do they get a cut of your services? How's the financial? What's in it for them? Essentially, there's a license fee right now for us to use the space that we're in. And you have to be careful in healthcare, as I'm sure some of your um, some of your listeners know about doing rev shares. But um, so right now there's uh, there's a license fee. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of benefit that CVS gets uh, it, for this getting done with the foot traffic that's coming in for people you know spending more money while they're in the store. Uh, we didn't talk about the benefit to Aetna, which is tremendous uh, because this is one of the quality measures. Uh, getting your eyes checked for diabetic retinopathy is a huge quality measure, and so that accrues to the Aetna side of the business. So there's all sorts of benefits, you know, uh, synergies and benefits that CVS gets. As we look to expand it, uh, obviously there are legally compliant ways for us to work together with an affiliate or joint venture type model, and uh, those are the things that we're looking at now. Yeah, I would say, Jeremy, answer the question, uh, but going forward, uh, as we expand, uh, hopefully we'll partner more formally uh, with CVS and they'll be an investor and they could benefit uh, from the economics alongside us as well. So they're not just leasing a space to us, but they're actually part of what we are doing and as we grow together. So Jeremy, you brought up the Aetna piece, right? That's really interesting to me. Uh, Aetna, for those who don't know, is a commercial insurer and they pay for private healthcare. But does Aetna pay you? Who pays your bills, right? If I go in and show up, do you like, and I don't have Aetna, I have Blue Cross Blue Shield, right? Do you charge Blue Cross Blue Shield? Like, how does this all work? Getting this sort of testing and treatment is all covered by your medical insurance. So 
um, whether it's Aetna or Blue Cross or Cigna or United Healthcare, that's who you know we're charging uh, on a fee for service basis, both commercial but also Medicare and Medicaid uh, patients. Uh, so it's covered by all the insurances, and that's who we're charging. And we're we're looking to do some really interesting things as well around value-based care, which hasn't been done in retina before. So there's quite a few things that uh, that are interesting as the market evolves uh, around how patients are are best taken care of. But yes, it's uh it's all covered. And if you're if you're uninsured, people can also cash pay uh, for a service like this as well. And government pays for this with Medicare and Medicaid, I would assume. Absolutely. So you said interesting stuff with value-based care. You want to give us a little preview there? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to give away all the secret sauce, but you know, there there are ways for us to to manage folks who are living with diabetes, at, at least in terms of their of their eye health uh, and and the elderly, uh, mind you. So, you know, these are some things that we're talking to some of the uh, some of the plans about. We're also talking to some of the primary care providers about. But as you know, it's a big trend right now uh, in the market, and uh, as long as we're able to provide great care for patients, uh, it's something that uh, that we'd be open to, uh, to to doing for our patients as well. Got it. And you said earlier, this was one of the measures for Aetna. What does that mean? So uh, every insurance plan has certain measures that they're quality measures that they're trying to achieve. So, and preventative screenings are a big part of that. Uh, The theory obviously is that if everyone gets their preventative screening, you can save cost uh, over time uh, for these members and for these patients. So a diabetic retinopathy eye exam, like we perform six days a week, is something that uh, that all the insurers uh, value very highly because they actually can make more money from the government if they hit the, if they hit these certain quality scores. And it's good because it's good for the patient in the long term uh, to to have these things uh, done as well. Got it. All right, so so let's pivot here and talk a little bit more about retail healthcare. We'll call you guys retail healthcare experts, right? You guys seem to have earned that credibility. So. According to some data that we pulled from our platform, right, over the last five years, the use of retail clinics has grown 200%, right, which is more than urgent care centers. Those just grew at 70% over the same time period. Meanwhile, use of emergency rooms declined by 1% and claims filed at primary care offices declined by 13% all over that. So you're looking at explosive growth of retail clinics fast growth of urgent care and everything else declining. What's driving the change toward retail medicine? So I, I would say that medical care in America is too expensive. It's not accessible to most people. And retail health is one of the best solutions to adapting to that and making it, as I said before, more friendly, more accessible. And we think it could be done in a lower cost way. There are many ways to do that in a retail setting. Obviously, we're using artificial intelligence enabled technology. Uh, we are uh, bringing the patient directly to our clinics to get tested and treated. So we're eliminating the need to go see your ophthalmologist uh, directly and going right to our clinic. So I think the purpose here is there are so many retailers around the country and with online commerce growing, the retailers need people to come to get more foot traffic. This is a great way to do it, to bring additional foot traffic into a retail setting and to make it easier for people to get the best healthcare possible. So, you know, following up on that, you know, there's no debate that retail clinics make medicine more affordable. I mean, according to some research, you know, we filled up here, the average charge per claim for a type two diabetes mellitus without complications last year was 160 bucks at a retail clinic. 
239 at an urgent care center, 367 for a physician outpatient visit, and a whopping $505 for a hospital outpatient visit. Now, I'm not very good at math, but I, last time I checked, $160 is significantly less expensive than $500. Do you guys think you can drive similar cost savings for eye care in a retail model? For sure, Justin. I think, again, part of it, it Stephen mentioned two things that, that are sort of cost out here for um, not only the patient, but for the system uh, more broadly. So one, the use of the newly approved AI is generally a lower, at least it, it so far has been a lower cost test. So for example, the test we do it, is about a $45 test. That's you know what it's reimbursed for by Medicare versus a more traditional physician comprehensive eye exam, which costs about $100 to $150. So if we take $100 out of every test and there's 40 million people with diabetes and they're supposed to get this test every year, you can run that math. That's about $4 billion of savings just on this one test. And so you can take cost out, obviously, with the use of AI. And then Stephen mentioned something else that's important is that by being able to do the testing and then go right to the specialist who needs to treat you, you can avoid going to the uh, to the generalist. That also will take out the cost, but the time of that visit, which might be a couple hundred bucks. So there's a few ways here to take cost out. By our math, this looks like billions of dollars in savings uh, as you start to enable some of this more rapid testing and avoid sort of uh, a longer care pathway. And we're also using behavior change education. So we're educating the patients right there. And rather than taking, um, dilating your eyes, getting a photograph of the back of your eye, sending it to, to a laboratory, finding out 24, 48 hours later, we're telling people the result in less than five minutes. And then we're educating them on the spot about their pathology potentially and how to deal with it. That's a huge change because a lot of people they hear back from their doctor two days later. By then, they're on to the next thing, and they forget about it. They ignore it, and it will result in blindness if not taken care of. So we are there's less drop, if you will, to treatment of this pathology as a result of what Network Guy is doing, which we're very proud of. Yeah, so it really seems like you almost got a real time component there. You're getting, you know, taking cost out, and that's pretty big numbers you're talking about there, Jeremy. But you're also maybe getting probably better outcomes by getting people engaged. Yeah, it's yeah, it, yeah. This whole thing about getting folks engaged—the technical term is you know this loss to follow up. You know, for patients, um, if we can reduce the loss to follow up, you know, when someone finds out about something, then we're able to to manage the disease better. And uh, Stephen's right. This is this is a huge benefit of being able to do things in real time. Where do you guys go next, Stephen? You mentioned health equity earlier, and health equity has been a big theme of this podcast across so many of our episodes. As guests have come on and talked about how they're increasing access in all sorts of different areas. Do you guys go more urban? Do you go more suburban? Do you go rural where there are massive health equity issues? How do you think about that type of area? So we're starting out in urban areas. Uh, that's where the density is. Uh, but this problem is, is, is everywhere. And we're also starting out in retina. And we've got a lot to do in retina, but there are other subspecialties. Jeremy mentioned dermatology and other areas. That's down the road. But I would say, in addition to urban, uh, there is no doubt if you look at rural America, it is very hard to find a retina specialist. So we hope to do all, uh, but we have to start and take some small steps. And right now we're focused on urban centers. But to us, there's a huge white space out there 
And uh, we're hoping in the months ahead to expand a few more pilots with CVS and then expand much more nationally. And I would say at first in urban centers, but the goal for us and my other business, we're very focused on underserved rural communities. That's a big opportunity as well. It, it would seem to me the world really be a huge value add for you because in these urban areas, you're probably going to have a more affluent, likely better educated, a majority better educated, and you're going to have better access to doctors who could treat this thing versus if you're living out in the middle of, you know, Texas, Kansas, when you're in the middle of the country, far out from a major city, you know, you're going to have a hard time getting care for this. There might not be anybody near you who could even diagnose this. I, I would agree with that, Justin. But I would also say in urban areas, while people that generally might be more educated, they, there are many people still who don't trust their doctor. And that's a big, big issue. And we're seeing this. And the fact that we go into local communities, we talk with churches and pastors, we go to VA hospitals, we're really getting into the community and talking to people. And by the way, we have a mobile unit, which does uh, testing in these local communities. That's a real differentiator. And we're getting to people that otherwise would not be accessed and, and would not uh, see the possibilities of what we bring to them. So go to church and get your eyes checked. We, we've done it. Yeah. Ask, you, 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 can, you can ask Pastor Dames in Tampa. Done it at his church on Sunday, Sunday morning church. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. So, guys, this has been awesome. But I got one more big question for you. We're going to go about like the future of retail health. Big topic. All right. I mean. I feel like it's really one of the major topics of the year, like retail health and like chat GPT and maybe the two of them together in something. I don't know. Right. But do you see a world like where CVS and Walgreens become like the mall of the future or maybe my mall becomes like the healthcare thing? Because, you know, we're all buying stuff from Amazon. You don't need to go buy greeting cards or magazines or anything else at CVS or my mall around the corner is half empty. Do you see like where people can go get to a mall for healthcare, and there's going to be a blood specialist, a bone specialist, a stomach specialist, an eye specialist, either at your CVS or, or in you know the local Natick Mall. Talk to me about that. What do you think? So I I think yes, Justin. Uh, what I am amazed by is we have patients of all socioeconomic and ethnic back backgrounds. They come into our clinic and they say, "Wow, this is the future of healthcare." And when they see our clinic, they say, "Wow, this is." This is not, not a, as nice. This is nicer than my doctor's office. So I think this is uh, one of the future ways forward. Obviously, we're not going to lose private practices, but this will enhance the market for healthcare in America for all people. Yeah, and, and just to add to that, I mean, I, I think the big retailers have tens of billions of dollars riding on this now, just with all the investments that have been made in primary care. So, you know, whether it's... Um, Amazon buying one medical, whether it's uh, uh, Walgreens investing in Village MDs, you know, CVS with uh, Signify and now with uh, with the Oak Street uh, health deal pending, all the big retailers are investing in primary care uh, because they also see this as very important. And primary care is is the gateway, right? It's the gateway into in, in, into the care pathway. And then obviously the next logical piece is going to be specialty. So you know, are we going to have things lined up like you mentioned, Justin, in a mall type fashion? I don't think it'll be exactly like that. My view is that you'll have different areas where you might have one specialty here, one specialty there and have a little bit of a hub and spoke. But certainly as a lot of the testing becomes more, more ubiquitous, as we discussed with AI, you're going to be able to do a lot of this, whether it's 
what we do, which is ongoing chronic condition management with minor surgical procedures, whether it's just monitoring that's happening, but you're gonna be able to do a lot more of this, uh, including across specialties in the retail environment in the coming years. So we definitely uh, you know, see it that way um, as things move forward. Yeah, I always thought, you know, CVS is in the real estate business, right? They've got all these stores ever, I said 70%. And, you know, 20 years ago, you did have to get your greeting cards at CVS and your magazines and your soap and your shampoo and all that stuff. I got all that stuff shipped to me now, right? From some warehouse, somewhere I don't even care anymore. So if I'm running CVS, and to be clear, I'm not running CVS, but if I was running CVS, I'd be like, what am I going to put in all of this retail that's 70% in your buy? And healthcare, because you still need to touch people for healthcare. And so that's how I think the opportunity is really for them to kind of go and put this mall concept in and get people to come in there because healthcare is local and healthcare, you still got to reach out and touch someone. And, and don't forget that when, when you are seeing us for treatment of diabetic retinopathy or macular degeneration, you're typically spending 45 minutes to 60 minutes with a caregiver. And you and the caregiver are always going to go shopping, pick up your shampoo, as we say, and other things. So this is very important for bricks and mortar. The two come together very, very nicely. Yeah. Well, guys, I look forward to seeing where you're going to go with Network Eyes. This has been a great conversation. And uh, we'll have you back in a couple of years to see what's going on. We look forward to it. Thanks so much, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, guys. And for all of the listeners out there, thank you for listening to Definitively Speaking, a definitive healthcare podcast. Please join me next time for a conversation with Sean Burke, president of healthcare at Ascend Learning. Ascend Learning is an education technology company that includes ATI nursing education with partners with over 60% of the undergraduate nursing programs in the U.S. and is a major provider and administrator of the leading nursing school entrance exam. Did you know that according to the American Association of College of Nursing, there will be more than 203,000 vacant nursing positions each year between now and 2031? Sean and the Ascend Learning team are trying to tackle this problem, and he joins me next time to talk about the state of nursing and nursing education today. I hope you'll join us. If you like what you've heard today, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about how healthcare commercial intelligence can support your business, please follow us on Twitter at DefinitiveHC or visit us at DefinitiveHC.com. Until next time, take care, please stay healthy, and don't forget to get your eyes checked.